Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. I am your host, Peter Komalafe. This is where we talk about money and all things personal finance, where we help you make the best financial decisions possible because money is a tool and life is for living. Good morning. So I wanted to make this episode and speak directly to people who may have any regular income. So I'm talking to people who may be freelancers, who may be running their own business. And like me, as a business owner, you may have good months and then you have months that aren't as good as others. And you still, unfortunately, have to pay your bills. And being prepared for that can often be a really, really big struggle. I'm going to share a little bit of what's worked for me and how I view this. I'm going to share some tips. I'm going to share a a, a budgeting methodology, which ties very, very closely to what's actually in my book. So if you've not picked up my book right now, it's probably worthwhile picking it up. It's available on Amazon as a physical book. You can have it as a Kindle read, and you can also have it as an audio book as well. And the bit that I'm gonna be referring to specifically in this episode is going to be the B part of my basic formula, which is the budgeting side. So there'll be lots of practical tips within this, and I'd love to also know what your feedback is once you listen to this and hopefully implement some of the things that I'm going to talk about in this episode. So look, the first tip that I'm going to give you, and this is this is something that you may have to take a little bit of time to get your head round. And the reason why I say that is because it took me a while to get my head around this. Now, if you are a freelancer, okay, and this depends on how you're set up. So I'm set up at a limited company, essentially, okay. So Money comes into my limited company, I then pay myself and I budget from the income that I pay myself. I don't treat all of my business income as personal income because, well, I've got to pay tax. And I think that's one of the big things for people who are either self-employed, freelancers, running their own business, even if you're a sole trader. One of the big things that you have to make sure that you're accounting for is obviously tax. So you're considering how you're taking your income in order to maximize your tax position. Now you should really speak to an accountant to get the best advice within this, but what I've had to do psychologically is get my head around the fact that, okay, my business income is my business income and I have to pay myself from my business to fund my personal expenses. And that's what I do. And what I'm trying to say here is you need to have that psychological split, particularly if you're a sole trader or if you're a freelancer. You need to kind of have that psychological split where you're thinking about your taxes. What a lot of freelancers tend to do is they'll make money and then they'll worry about the tax a bit later on. That's not really a great place to be because you'll find yourself in a position, and I speak to a lot of, you know, business owners, not just freelancers, where they, they think about their tax as an afterthought and that in itself can be a huge source of stress so that's the first tip that i'm going to give you and again you're going to have to get your head around this but once you get your head around this and compartmentalize personal income your work income be it as a sole trader limited company or even if you're in a limited liability partnership once you are able to compartmentalize those two things separately you're going to have a clearer headspace to work from and it's it's worked wonders for me it's a bit of a weird one but trust me just just try and do that and by the way guys this is going to be available as a video on youtube at 12 o'clock today i'm going to scribe through some of this as well 
particularly when I start trying to join up some of the methodology and some of the practical tips around budgeting, because again, it ties in with the book and I'm going to try and demonstrate and describe some of that as well. So if you are listening to this, it might be worthwhile watching the video. Right, so look, the first step that is really, really important to be able to budget effectively if you have an irregular income is really understanding and knowing in detail what your bills are, okay? really, really important. It's amazing how many people I kind of speak to and maybe work with on a one-to-one basis and say, right, what's your what's your expenses? What exactly do you have going out every single month? And more times than not, once we sit down and actually go through all of the expenses, they have things that are missing. And this is one of the things that, that I've noticed as being the reason as to why things are missed when it comes to expenses. And you probably noticed this. So recently, a lot of companies have moved away from direct debits and they're now taking payments off your card on a monthly basis, right? So that is a a, a recurring card payment directly from your card and it's not a direct debit. And whilst it works very well for the businesses, the downside to that for personal finance is if you're the kind of person like me where I will sit down with my accounts on a on a month to month or quarterly basis and look at all of my direct debits, well, a lot of those payments aren't gonna be listed in your direct debits because they're a recurring card payment. And so it's very easy to miss those expenses, particularly if they're large expenses where they might come off once a year, it's a membership, but it's for a big amount. That can cause havoc for a lot of people and I've definitely seen it happen. So understand what your bills are what your expenditure is, like really have a good understanding. And that's not just your direct debits, that is your recurring card payments. And I would also say as a practical tip, give yourself a little bit of a margin for error. And the reason why I say that is because for example, right, you have a phone contract. If you go over your data, if you go over your your plan uh, on a month to month basis, you may find that your bills fluctuate. So give yourself a little bit of a margin of error for things like that, where one month it might be slightly more, one month it might be slightly less. By giving yourself a little bit of a buffer, it will mean that some months you might be right at the limit, but other months you might be right underneath it, and that gives you a pot of money, or at least a sum of money that you could do something else with, or use for something else, which I'll talk about a bit later on. Now, if you've picked up my book, In my book, under the budgeting part of my basic formula, I talk about the three pots. And the three pots are essentially three silos under which you should think about your budgeting when it comes to your expenses versus your income. So in your first pot, your first pot, you're going to have your essentials, right? And within your essentials, you're gonna have things like your rent, or you're gonna have your mortgage as a payment. You're also gonna have things like your utilities, which will be your gas, your electric those kind of things. Your council tax will fall into this. Any committed debt that you have to pay. So this will be things like your car finance. It will be things like uh, personal loans, credit cards. Any committed debt where you have to make a payment will also be included within this as well. And this really is the most important box of all. You have to make sure that you've got all of your essentials covered, your food, 
all of it, because those are the things that you need to be able to survive on a month to month basis. And I would very much encourage you to put a priority on this box specifically, or this pot specifically, as I call it in the book. Now, the second pot that you have um, within the, my methodology of budgeting if you, is you have the non-essentials. And within the non-essentials part, you are going to have things like your subscriptions. So this will include your Netflix, it will include your Amazon Prime, it will include magazine subscriptions if you're still in the, doing those kind of things. It might include things like your gym memberships. And you know what, because I think this pot is so important because of the way I like to think the way it's positioned is this is the pot that gives you a little bit of enjoyment, right? So your gym membership, if you're really, really big on making sure that you're as healthy as you can be so that you can go out into the world and be as productive as possible, then, you know, this is a very, very important pot as well because it, it gives you, I guess, a lease of life, right? But within this as well, I think it's always worthwhile to budget for things like entertainment so if you do want to go out on a few nights a week uh, a week or a month with your with your friends you want to catch up for dinners for lunches you should allocate a certain amount of money to this specifically you can also allocate money for holidays within this pot as well the non-essential pot are things that aren't essential for you to live but they are things that actually, they are matter of course expenses, right? And there could be a ton of things within this pot. But the idea here is that within this methodology, you are putting the onus on your non-essentials, but being really, really detailed in terms of what you have going out in that pot at all times, so that you know exactly what you need to cover. Now, there is a third pot that I talk about in the book, we're going to come to that a bit later on because it's not quite relevant right now. The second thing that I think is really, really important, so you already know what your bills are going to be now, all right? So you've written them down, and I would encourage you to write them down, go through your bank statements and really document these things. You're looking for a total. So once you have the total, you can begin to work out what your monthly, with the variable, the 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 room for fat that you've allocated, what that number might be. Now, it might be a thousand pounds, for example, right, that you need every single month. You know that. But the other thing that I think is really important is because a lot of us, and I used to do this, a lot of us will often earn money. Yes, we pay the bills. And yes, we might have gym memberships and we might have Netflix subscriptions and all these, the things that fit in the non-essentials box, right? We'll, we'll cover all of that as well. But what we then do is we then go out spending. And I think when you're on an irregular income, you've really got to make sure that you have good controls in place around your spending. And in today's society, it's very, very easy to tap, 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 and it doesn't feel like you're spending money. And so one thing that I do is I make sure sometimes I will just carry cash with me. And sometimes I will give myself a weekly challenge where I will have X amount of cash in my wallet, and that will be the amount that I spend during that week. It's just trying to make sure that you're able to limit your wastage. Remember, you're on an irregular income here. So you may have a good month, you may have a bad month. What you're trying to do is in the moments where you do have a little bit of cash, it's trying to make sure that you're able to withhold some of that to cover you for when you have a bad month or you don't have quite 
as much basically coming through. So be very, very mindful on your spending behaviors. One of the good things that you could do, if you do, if you if you're quite spontaneous like I am in terms of purchases, if you're out and about, you need to grab a drink and, and tap in is the easiest thing. Most of the banks do this now. They have this facility where you can actually roll up your transactions. That is a great thing to do because the 50p, 20p that was left over, you know, on your spend, it might be 5p, 1p here and there. When you look at how that rounds up over the course of two to three months, it actually can add up to quite a bit of money. And that can go into the other thing that I'll talk about a bit later on. But that might be a practice that I think will work for you. It's definitely works for it's definitely worked for me in the past as well. So make sure that you're looking at your spending habits. Now, for most um, people who are self-employed or freelancers, oftentimes they don't have a buffer. And this is the one thing as well that I do want to make sure that I, that, I, that I articulate really, really clearly. Now it does make sense, and I'm, I know it's a bit of a platitude. Have a buffer, have an emergency fund. It's like, yes, Pete, it makes sense to have an emergency fund. I think a lot of people actually struggle when it comes to the practicalities of actually building an emergency fund in the, per, in the first place, particularly if you're trying to, you know, pay down credit cards over jobs, those kind of things. But as a first, as a, as a freelancer, or as a self-employed person, it is really, really important that you think about how you're going to give yourself a buffer. This is crucial. And I'm not, and this is, there's maybe probably worthwhile just dis, putting a distinction because if you're a freelancer, you may not be doing this as, an, as a limited company. You may be doing this as the money's coming to your personal account. You need to make sure that you're putting that money into a separate account, not sitting within your current account. So within a separate account. And a lot of these banks, I'm with Starling, for example, you can create places or pots, right? You literally put money away into a separate account. So it's away from your visuals, like your, your, your immediate vicinity that you can see. And it reduces the, t the temptation of you actually spending that money. Again, you have to be really pragmatic with this. If you're doing this as, as a limited company, then you're keeping this money within your limited entity. And then you may be taking income either as part of dividends and salary, right? There are different ways in which you can do this. Again, you speak to an accountant. Your accountant can advise the best way of doing this that will make sure that you're, you're keeping yourself in the best tax position as possible. So for example, for me, what I do is I have a limited company. I know what my run rate is and I have quite a nice cash buffer in the business to make sure that I've got the ability to pay myself in future months. So I've, at this rate, I've probably got about 12 months worth of, of my salary, my monthly salary, aside from my dividends, already in the account that I can call upon if I actually need that. But I've done that intentionally and pragmatically. Now, from a personal point of view, and this is where I'm gonna share maybe some of my personal finances as well, I also have a personal emergency fund as well. So if anything happens with the business, so for example, I might have a project that I need to work on that is gonna be very capital intensive. I've not left myself in a position where I'm wholly reliant on the cash within the business to be able to fund my personal circumstances. And this is where building up a cash buffer, an emergency fund, is very, very important from a personal point of view. And this is where in the in my book, I talk about the other pot, which is the third silo. So again, this is what I'm gonna scribe. In this pot, you're looking at where you want to 
set objectives, set goals. So for example, it may be that you want to amass an emergency fund. And with an emergency fund, it's very, very important as like any goal or objective that you're setting that you're being very specific. So if your goal is you want an emergency fund to give yourself a personal buffer so, to, so that you can, you're not stressed out when your income is irregular, okay? Then what you need to do is you need to be very specific around how much of an emergency fund you need. So for example, we've been talking about your, all of your bills being a thousand pounds. This is a combination of your essentials and your non-essentials. Now you could just take that thousand pounds and times that by three, six or nine to give you a pot of money to set aside to make sure you've got everything covered, okay? So in this example, let's just say six months, you're gonna need 6,000 pounds. That gives you a target. But what I'm saying here is, when you go back to understanding your budgeting methodology and your budgeting strategy, what you're doing is once everything's taken care of in terms of your essentials and your non-essentials, and you have a bumper month of 3,000 pounds coming in, that additional 2,000 pounds, you assign it to your other part or another place in your account setup where that's set aside, tucked aside for you to call upon in future months. Now, I'm not gonna lie to you, this can be a challenge. It can be very, very difficult to do. And you're probably not gonna be able to do it overnight unless you have some cash lying around right now. But it is important that you're very intentional with this. But the minute you have this set up, believe me, from a psychological and mindset point of view, you'll feel at ease because you know that you have a buffer there. And oftentimes when I speak to people, the relief that they feel is actually quite palpable. It really, really is. And certainly from my own personal experience, it means that I have the ability to say no to things that don't necessarily align with my objectives and my goals as a business owner. Um, I do a lot of that, unfortunately. I say, uh, no, I say no to a lot of stuff. I shouldn't really say unfortunately because I make the, 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 ch the, the choice to do that. But it means that you don't have to pick jobs that you don't necessarily want to do because you're desperate. And I think in the real world, for most people who are either self-employed, business owners, freelancers, that is almost utopia. Being able to say, okay, I'll do this job because it aligns very closely with the stuff that I want to do. It's not about doing things for the sake of doing things. You have a little bit of choice. And when I take this topic out and just zoom out to the macro and think about that concept of being able to do things out of choice when it comes to your finances holistically, that's really the definition of being your own financial hero, as I put it in the book. The ability to make choices out of freedom and not necessity. So look, those are some practical tips for you to, to maybe just go and try. Again, it's not going to be a quick fix. It really isn't. It's taken me a long time to master some of this stuff. It's definitely worked for me. It's put me in a place where I feel more secure from a financial point of view. I have a little bit of freedom now in terms of I don't do things that I don't wanna do from a work point of view. They have to really align with my objectives as a business owner and what I do in this space. And that's a luxury and I completely get that. And I hope by sharing this that you're also gonna be able to get to that place as well. But I appreciate you for listening to this. I would love to know your feedback as well. Do you pick this up. Go give this a try. 
see what elements actually worked for you and please let me know what elements worked for you if you're listening to this on the podcast you can reach out to me dms on uh instagram maybe if you're watching this on youtube though uh feel free to leave a comment in the comment section down below but i'd love to know a question of the day for you guys this week um what do you do if you're a freelancer what do you actually do um do you already have some kind of structure in place what does your budgeting methodology look like right now? Let me know and I will speak to you next week. Enjoy the rest of your week.